to understand biblical doctrine and looking at uh, chapter 13 on the topic of sanctification. In uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, verses 5 and 6, great verses that, uh, uh, maybe key verses in this topic. It says, For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. What a great hope and a promise for those who are in Christ that we are no longer slaves to sin, but actually later in Romans 6, uh, Paul says that we are to be slaves of what? Righteousness. Of righteousness. That we've been bought out of bondage of sin, and that's that justification, but we are brought into newness of life in Christ. But not to just live however we want, we have a new master, Christ himself. I didn't quite know how to break this chapter up. Um, So we're going to read all three paragraphs. And I'm going to spend this week and next week kind of hitting two different aspects of sanctification. But look at paragraph one with me. Sanctification says, They who are united to Christ... Now notice, sanctification is not for everybody. It is for those who are united to Christ, effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, are also farther sanctified, really and personally, through the same virtue by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts of it are more and more weakened and mortified." And they more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces to the practice of all true holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. This sanctification, paragraph 2, is throughout the whole man. Yet imperfect in this life, there abides still some remnants of corruption in every part, wherefrom arises a continual and irreconcilable war the flesh lusting against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Paragraph 3. In which war, although remaining the remaining corruption for a time may much prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying spirit of Christ, the regenerate part does overcome. And so the saints grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God, pressing after an heavenly life, in evangelical obedience to all the commands which Christ as head and king in his word has prescribed to them. Last week I mentioned question 35 in the, uh, the, the catechism. What benefits do those who are effectually called receive in this life? And the answer is those who are effectually called receive in this life justification, adoption, and sanctification and the several benefits which in this life accompany or flow from them. Again, justification is being declared right judicially before God, that our sin is paid for by God's free free grace. Last week, we looked at adoption, that we're not just bought out of slavery, but we are made his children. I still am 
just been I've really been thinking about this t- quote by Thomas Watson all week. He adopted us from slavery. It is a mercy to redeem a slave, but it is more to adopt him. That God in his grace redeemed us out of slavery. But imagine 100, 200 years ago, having bought a slave, but then not just buying the slave out of his own slavery, but then saying, be my child. What God has amazingly done. But then the work of sanctification. Question 38 in the Catechism states it this way. What is is sanctification? It is the work of God's free grace by which we are renewed in the whole person after the image of God and are enabled more and more to die into sin and to live under righteousness. Wayne Grudem, in a little bit more um, modern wording, says, a progress, sanctification is a progressive work of God and man that makes us more and more free from sin and like Christ in our actual living. Again, justification is happening in a spiritual realm. We don't see that impact. We don't see that judicial happening upon our salvation. Sanctification is what we see take place in our physical lives. It is the work of God in our life using our um, obedience to bring about the more and more likeness of Christ. Now notice as we are reading through the confession, it, it speaks of multiple times that it is not done perfectly, that it's a process. But I, I want us to understand the process. First of all, we are involved in the work. The work As Philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Notice Paul's words there. He does not say, work for your salvation. What does he say? Work out your salvation. Something that has already been done, we are then to actively be doing something. And again, it is a process. That that word there is in the present tense, the working out. It is to keep working out. We will never reach the perfection. It is a process. And next week we'll look at more of the detailed side of our work, the, the putting off and the putting on in Ephesians chapter 4. The, the mortification or the killing of our sin. In our justification, do we do anything to save ourselves? Absolutely not. It is solely of grace. In our sanctification, it is of grace. But it is through grace by which God works in our lives to accomplish it. Again, it does not make God void. It is not God takes care of the justification and we take care of the sanctification. That is wrong. It is God takes care of the justification and God takes care of the sanctification, but he works through us in that process. That's what Paul's saying here in Philippians 2.12. We are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, but I stopped at verse 12. Verse 13, 
Again, look at the whole, both verses together on the screen. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is, what's that next word? God, who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is not the picture that, well, God saves us and he says, okay, now become more like Christ. You got to do it. Are we able to? No. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Through the word of grace coming through our lives. But is it void of our obedience? Absolutely not. We're called to work out our salvation But without God, that working, as Martin Luther says, our striving would be losing. It would be futile. Justification, it's all of God. Sanctification, it is of God. But the means by which he works is through us. Again, so we see this doctrine played out in another verse. Romans chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Now look at what Paul says. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then the command, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Notice the command there is don't let sin reign in your bodies. But it's rooted the therefore... In what? That we are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We, you maybe have heard the words, and sometimes in a sermon we may mention them, and sometimes you're like, I have no clue what that means. An indicative and an imperative. Now, sometimes kids who are maybe in, Brandon, what grade are you in? Third? You don't even get homeschool kid. I don't know what grade I'm in. Uh, um, uh, an imperative. Kids, what is that? A command. A command. To do something. But every time in scripture, we see the commands of God have a root in something. The ability to accomplish God's commands are always rooted in what's called an imperative, meaning, a, a, excuse me, an indicative. The imperative is a command. The indicative is a truth of what, what allows us to be able to obey. Who we are in Christ. So again, Romans 6.12 says, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. But how are we able to do that? If we are in Christ. Again, at Galatians 2.20, um, for I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, it is not I that, that lives, but it is what? Christ. Christ that lives within me. The power to be able to put sin to death in our mortal bodies is not in our strength. We do put it to death, but it is only because of who we are in Christ. It's not us adding our works to God's grace, but pursuing holiness based upon God's gracious work in our lives. And there's a, a sense of which we may feel like, are we picking at some words here? But we have to be thinking carefully how Scripture teaches us that salvation, justification is completely of God. 
But the sanctification is not of ourselves. It is still God who works in and through us. But we can end up in these errors over here saying, well, sanctification means it only happens if I really feel compelled. In our flesh, we never feel compelled. Even in our salvation, we still, we still love sin. And it's God who commands us. There are some in the extreme grace movement that say, well, we, we shouldn't do anything by compulsion. Because if it's not of compulsion, we're not trusting God's grace. And there's so much that sounds good about it. But what happens is then we say, the law and walking in obedience means nothing. And again, that's an error. We don't walk, we don't understand the law of God to earn our salvation, but we are saved to do good works. But the goal in all of this, again, the process is us working, but by the grace of God, he accomplishes it. But the goal is this, Christ-likeness. Very simple. The goal of sanctification is to become more and more like Christ. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. That is the goal of our salvation. It is to produce holiness and perfection in us. But in God's infinite plan, he has not said upon our salvation, we then just get all of the perfect actions. There's a sense in which in this life, God continues to cause us to trust him. We've been looking at Romans chapter 8, that kind of the chain of salvation. In verse 28, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, look at that phrase, to be conformed into the image of his son. That even in God's predestining of us, his goal is to not just save us, but to save us to be conformed into the image of Christ. But notice that this is right in the middle of this, these connected things. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So just as much as our salvation and our glorification happen and are part of the plan of God, so is our sanctification. I appreciate John MacArthur. He said, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. He, he makes us qualified. And, and in this life, we're no longer slaves to sin. That's how in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul can list all this thing, the list of these things in which will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he says, and such were some of you. That's why it's important when we think about sin in our lives, we can never call it a disease. Because when it's a disease, it's not something I have control over. It's something I can never find victory over, but God promises us victory over sin. Is it always perfect? No. Does it always come easy? No. But the blessing of God's promises... 
the work of sanctification is personal and it happens in every area of our life. Sanctification does not just happen in one area. We're not just conformed into the image of Christ in certain things. But as the Spirit works and makes us more like Christ, it is a whole person work. We are left and we are completely changed. And praise be to God that he accomplishes that work. Again, just to think about this again, how, how our obedience and it works together. Sam Waldron put it this way. Are we sanctified by faith alone or are works to be added to faith? The answer is that it is not a matter of adding works to faith. It is a matter of faith working. Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Sanctification, the goal, Christ-likeness. How does it happen? God uses our obedience, trusting in his grace to work in our lives. And he accomplishes that. Praise be to him for that. Uh, next week we'll look more and more at, uh, at kind of that process of how God does that. But again, just wanted to give us this idea of what is sanctification. It's not a, a super uh, technical word, but it is simple, yet it is a lifelong endeavor. Uh, let's pray. God, I thank you that you are faithful. Lord, you who began a good work in us will bring it to completion. Lord, not just justifying us, but working in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we would be trusting your grace in our life. Lord, trusting your grace to, to continue to conform us into the image of Christ. Lord, we do it not out of a, a heartless obligation, but out of a great love because you have saved us. And Lord, I, I pray that you would uh, do that work, that you would by the power of your spirit, be making us more and more like Christ. And Father, we confess that sometimes the, the ways that you do that are, are, are stretching to us. So Lord, increase our faith, we pray. Lord, help us to um, walk and to be perfected in holiness, not to the praise of us, but to the praise of you, that we would be no longer slaves to sin, but slaves of righteousness, we pray. Lord, help us to that end in Christ's name. Amen.